Welcome to episode four of the Cusism Syracuse Sports Podcast. I'm Jesse Cook. I'm Chilla Cassiadelli. We got a great show for you guys today. Uh, men's basketball, women's basketball, a little bit of football news, and of course you'll love our three-minute drills. But let's get right into men's basketball. Syracuse had a couple games against Northeastern. Northeastern was last Thursday, and then Buffalo on Saturday. It was kind of a rough stretch for Syracuse. They came out uh, winning both of those games, but the performances weren't as nearly as big as they could be from some of the players on this team. Now we can start off with Northeastern. Uh, Quincy Guerrier, uh, these last two games, this whole week, as he was named the ACC Player of the Week, it has really been, in a lot of respects, the Quincy Guerrier show. He had 18 points against Northeastern. Uh, Marek Dolzai, uh, had a couple uh, games himself in which he performed uh, pretty decent. I mean, a uh, game against Northeastern, he was better on the offensive front than the game against Buffalo. But uh, Joe Girard, uh, he's been he's been very inconsistent. Uh, he had 21 points. We'll talk about his performance against Buffalo later. But uh, Jesse, kind of talk about how this team has been performing and, and what what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, but also how they're not necessarily coming out with the same or nearly the same performance and same oomph, it seems, every single game. Well, it's funny that we talk about a rough week for the men's basketball team. They went 2-0. and And these were rough games by Syracuse standards. Now, first of all, you mentioned Quincy Garrier. Double-double in both games. And not just a double-double, but... 18.16 rebounds. He's not just doing the bare minimum for it. He's going above and beyond. That was against Northeastern. Mm-hmm. Then you see him again against Buffalo in a game where it looked as if not many players were shining, at least through that first half. Quincy Garrier was right there. 11 rebounds, 27 points against the Bulls. Quincy Garrier has been on fire this past weekend. As you said, Joe Girard has been inconsistent. I think... A lot of it comes from how he's used. Against worse teams like Northeastern, non-ACC competitor teams, Coach Beheim is going to use him less. I think we saw that against Buffalo. Now, Buffalo is not an ACC team, but they are probably the best team in the MAC. So against those higher-level teams, I think we're just going to see Gerard use less. And if it's if his playing time is the same, he's certainly getting the ball less. They've got a different game plan. Someone I'd like to highlight from this past week is Kadari Richmond. And I know I, I love Kadari Richmond. I, I think we, we've established that he is probably uh, my, my favorite player on the Syracuse team because, first of all, he's a freshman like us. And second of all, he gets it done off of the bench. When the starters aren't up to par, Kadari Richmond is right there playing his role. He had 13 points, eight rebounds, five assists, not to mention three blocks against Buffalo. And earlier in the week, again, against Northeastern, not as strong a performance. He only had five points, a rebound, assist, and a block. But he's right there. And I think he is a major bright spot for this Syracuse team. Now, Shalai, let's talk about just that Buffalo game in general. Now, we talked about Rick Dolajai. By the way, Buddy Bayheim. That was one of the first times we really saw him come back strong from his hiatus. But that first half was bad basketball. And while Syracuse came back in that second half, 
with, I mean, Alan Griffin's block at the buzzer to save the game and push it to overtime was fantastic and all, but the team had three three-pointers the entire game, including overtime. Their long-range shooting was not up to par. Now, what's the deal? Well, I shouldn't say what's the deal, but how does a team like Syracuse, who's famous for their sharpshooters in Bayheim and Gerard and now Alan Griffin, go from such a strong three-point shooting team to having a game like that? Yeah, I mean, it's just – it's a really a lot of uh, inconsistency. You see – Syracuse on Saturday, it was three of 19 from beyond the yard. Uh, that's just 15.8% shooting. And, you know, this team really had a hard time being able to uh, get their stuff together here in the first half. They came or they came around the second half, but uh, dealing with big performances from Buffalo's uh, Josh Mbala, who didn't even start. He came off the bench and put up 27 points. He led the team in points. Uh, you had some offensive performances that were pretty good from Buffalo as well. And Syracuse first half did not seem to be able to, to step up to that. But second half, they you have to give them credit because they did uh, they did what they were supposed to do with the exception of Joe Girard. You had, of course, Gary Air with 27, uh, Dolajai, 19, Alan Griffin with a nice hot 24 points himself, and Buddy Beheim with 22. And Kadari Richmond, 13 points off the bench. So this team, this was a big second-half performance with this team. But still, yes, uh, there are problems with three-point shooting, and it's inconsistency. There are some days where everything is falling, and then you have days like this where it makes you really wonder. And there's other things that can be kind of fixed here too, I guess. Uh, you have you had a team that's at 36 for 75 from the field, just in general. That's a – 48%, you know, and then 10 missed free throws. That's stuff you got to, you got to hit, you know, free throws. Sometimes that can be the difference between whether you win a game and whether you lose a game, you got to be very consistent on those. And to miss 10, that's not good. Not good at all. Well, that is something I want to highlight about Joe Girard in that Northeastern game is he hit nine of nine free throws and Syracuse came away with a six point with a clean six point win. And then you see games like Buffalo where Syracuse is missing these free throws. And for all their other mistakes, made free throws, that's a regulation win. That Mm -hmm. makes it closer at the half. So minor things like that, apart from just the three-point shooting game and Syracuse's continued problems rebounding, small things like missed free throws could cost the game. Let's talk about these games. Uh, because Syracuse had, uh, no, actually, excuse me, Buffalo had some positive coronavirus tests on their team. So as a result, Syracuse has halted all basketball activities. And tonight's game, uh, Tuesday's game, last night's game against Notre Dame has been postponed until further notice, as well as the game on December 30th against um, Wake Forest. That has also been postponed. Yeah. The positive or the the coronavirus exposure from Team Buffalo does put a bit of a dark mark on this week and could potentially seriously affect this season because we've seen players where they're not able to train as a team for that period of time. They lose their abilities. They get soft. And while they recover later later on in the season, they don't come back immediately as strong and it's a couple of losses 
that could cost him down the stretch. We saw it at the beginning of the season in a game against Bryant that should not have been close. Mm-hmm. And now here we are again. I think about – I just think about um, players like Joe Girard, you know. You're not only having not having games, but you're also not having practices as well. Mind you, this is all basketball activities that are being postponed uh, in the meantime while we find out and contact trace these uh, coronavirus cases from the Buffalo team. So um, those are players who I really think about. And you have players like, again, like Joe Girard with huge inconsistencies this season. So just imagine now whether it could even get worse uh, based on based on what is unfolded here the past couple of days in which now you not you're not going to be playing for at least uh, 10 days or more yeah it's going to be rough for this orange men's basketball team now let's talk about women's basketball and they had a rough week of their own they started off with a loss to ACC division rival North Carolina 92 to 68. And sure, Tiana Mangakahia wasn't her best game, but she was probably playing with an injury, as we saw she didn't play on su- in Sunday's win uh, at BC, which they won 83-70. to 70. And we've seen Camilla Cardoso really step through as a great leader of this team, Kiara Lewis right behind her. But let's talk about Emily Angsler, who off the bench, we talked about her, I think it was last episode, she had a great game off the bench, and here she is again, 18 points, 10 rebounds, three steals, and a block, a double-double. That that was against North Carolina, and she really outshined the team's abysmal shooting percentage at 29.3. She came out as a bright spot in that game. Now, Chile, can you talk to me about what else we can take as a positive from that loss? Well, uh, of course, uh you talk about Emily Angsler and she really balled out on Thursday night. Uh, you also had like, like you mentioned earlier, Camilla Cardoso and Keanu Lewis. I'm not sure that you can really take any other positives out of this game, because if you just look at it as a whole, it's just a lot of, a lot of misses, you know, and I was really trying to look at this game and, watching it and taking a look at the box score during and after it. It's what, what can you take away? What was this team's problem as to why not only they lost to an unranked UNC, but they lost by 24 points. And you really look at the difference and it's just that shots didn't fall. Like you said, 29.3 from the field, including nine of 36 from beyond the arc. And, of course, we talked about the men and their free throw problems uh, in their last game that they played. Uh, the women shot 53.6, which is even worse, missing 13 free throws. You can't miss that many from the line. You know, that's stuff that puts you closer to the mark there. So you got to you gotta tighten up here. And, I mean, they did get it done against BC on Sunday, so let's give them that. But uh, they do face UNC. Uh, and not too far, not too much time after, uh, they play them after Morgan State. That will be the 31st of this month. So the team has a chance to try and get one back against this UNC team right here. It's just you have to improve the consistency 
of your shots. And I'm not even saying that UNC did much better. I mean, if you look at this box score here, uh, they only have three more opportunities to shoot field goals. I mean, to shoot free throws, excuse me. Uh, Three-point shooting, they had less chances on three-point shooting than Syracuse. And then they took 11 less shots from the field generally than Syracuse did. So if you look at this, and UNC didn't even honestly play that well, you know? The only thing is that they, they had a few more field goals than Syracuse, and Syracuse lost by 24 points. That cannot happen. Now, going at, now you mentioned shooting percentage from the free throw line. Now, shooting percentage in general against UNC, 29.3%. That, for reference, is not very good. Now, a couple days later, they march into BC, and they shoot 54.4% for field goals. Now, what do you think head coach uh, Quentin Hillsman did to boost that shooting for this Syracuse women's team? I mean, I'm sure it was just more running and more <laughs> practice. <laughs> but uh, if you look at the differences between this team on Sunday and this team on Thursday, I mean, of course, it's the improvement in shooting. And that's what we said that needed to happen for them to win. I mean, of course, four from 14 from three, that was not good. But if you're talking about free throw shooting, they only missed two, 89.5%. You look at field goal, they were over 50% at 54.4. I mean, that's what you need to do. You need to have, I'm not saying make every single shot, of course, unless we're robots, that's like humanly impossible, you know? (laughs) But you have to at least be shooting some consistency, say 40, 50%, and Free throws have to be nearly 80, 85, 90%, if not even more, to be able to win. And you saw that the the shooting improvements on this team is what propelled Syracuse to win this game against BC. Now, they did drop four spots as a a result of that UNC loss, but hopefully they can start climbing back and collecting more wins as we go forward here. And now from that BC game, I'd like to highlight Priscilla Williams – Freshman coming off the bench, she scores 14 points and grabs three rebounds. So this orange women's team has a has depth. We mm-hmm. see it from Emily Angsler against UNC. Now Priscilla Williams, one of the first times we've seen her shine all year. And yes, Camilla Cardoso, 24.7 rebounds. Great game. Kiera Lewis, 20 points, eight assists. You love to see it, but this bench, this shows not only depth for this year, but that this team has a future. Now, yes. going into the Morgan State game on the 28th, just five days from now, this is Morgan State's first ACC game. They're 3-1, and one, but their last game, they lost 95-59 to 59 at T- Towson three days ago. And sure, Danye Red, 21 points. She played very well. Janiel Henson, 13 points and two steals. Again, a good game for her. And Ashia McCullough, 11 points. But this team does not compare to Syracuse. 29.2% team shooting does sound familiar from that UNC game. But remember, this is not an ACC team. This is a team that is losing to teams that are not ACC teams. Syracuse is better. And listen, uh, but 
I do have to mention that uh, last week I said that it should have been a cakewalk essentially for Syracuse against UNC, and that didn't happen. Now, granted, uh, UNC is an ACC team versus Morgan State here, but uh, Syracuse has shown, uh, even as they're ranked now 22 in the country, formerly 18, that if you don't show up, that you could easily lose here based off of that UNC game. So the thing is, will Syracuse is shooting and Syracuse is shooting for the most part this year has stayed consistent. It's just that where were the blips in the road? Where will they fall? Will they fall here? Will they fall against UNC again? I think this game should be a win, but that's dependent on how Syracuse shoots. And hopefully if they stay somewhat consistent shooting in all aspects of the game, from the field, from beyond the arc, uh, at the line. At the line is important. You cannot be missing free throws like they did against UNC. That's unacceptable. They have to be consistent here, and that's the only way that this team will carry through. And this team's got potential. they got potential. They were, I believe they were projected to win the ACC. You know, this team is a top team, and obviously by their ranking, they're a top team. They have to show that, and they can't, they can't let off for one second. Now, Chile, we've got some football recruiting news. Now we do, we do, we talk and about uh, that. It, it started with uh, Justin. Oh, sorry, excuse me. It started with Mississippi State quarterback. Uh, what's his name? His name is Garrett Schrader, and he uh, decided that he was going to transfer over to Syracuse, feeling as if that he was a good fit, and said that he's here to try and win that job over the offseason and compete for that starting job, uh, possibly putting somebody like Jacoby and Morgan uh, in a raw spot here, uh, having some competition. And not only that, we have some more news out of the quarterback field at Syracuse. And three-star quarterback Justin Lampson uh, out of California, I believe, uh, he's graduating early. So he will be at Syracuse in time for spring practices. Uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting quarterback competition in the spring and throughout the summer and we'll see who comes out on top but I really like that this is happening somebody needed to jolt this team on the offensive side and I believe it starts on who's under center you know we have some star receivers star running backs and the, in general this O-line the QB spot have been the ones that have been really shaky so Having Lamson, having Schrader in there, I, I believe this is good. And the more competition you get, the more everybody pushes themselves. And this team is preparing, I believe, hopefully, if they fix their offensive problems, they can easily be one of the top teams in the ACC. And you mentioned a quarterback controversy. For, we don't even know that Tommy DeVito will be the starter next year if these mm-hmm. guys can shape up to his level and right. beyond. Now – right. We've got one of our favorite parts of the show. It's the three-minute drill. Chile, you've got 60 seconds. Are you ready to go? I am ready. Let's start. Well, it was another disappointing year. It's a college football playoff committee selected the four semifinalists. Out of all the top 25 teams, Alabama and Clemson definitely deserve their spots. However, why are Notre Dame and Ohio State in there? Their records are very mediocre, to say the least. OSU only played six games against a very poor Big Ten. They almost choked to a good Indiana team and coasted their way to the playoff in a very bad conference. Notre Dame's only loss came against Clemson, and it's safe to say that they would have lost a second time had Trevor Lawrence played in the first game. Plenty of good teams 
should have replaced both OSU and Notre Dame. How about 8-1 Texas A&M, whose only SEC loss came to Alabama? Or an 8-2 Oklahoma team that had to play in the Big 12? There are plenty of great teams this year that should have made it into this tournament. But no, we had to give it to the same old guys. To the CFP, expand the playoff. Let's see a Cincinnati or maybe even a Coastal Carolina. Well, my 30 seconds start now. First of all, as a Bearcats fan, I I very much appreciate you putting them in the conversation, and they deserve to be. You're absolutely right. The college football playoffs are without a doubt rigged, not just towards, not not just Power 5 teams over non-Power 5 teams. It's Power 5 teams who are famous over Power 5 teams who are not. Texas A&M should have been in that conversation, and I know you're partial to Coastal Carolina, as you said last week. We love to talk about the the absurd nature behind the college football playoffs. Now, my 60 seconds start. Now, snow across the Northeast, this has made made headlines everywhere. It's been here in my home state of Massachusetts. Chile, it's met you in Pennsylvania. It's up in Syracuse, New York, too. And it's made travel difficult for everyone, and it's a real threat for drivers, but it affects college teams, too. Many college teams travel by bus. They can't afford playing. Many of their lower-level teams that aren't necessarily football or basketball definitely have to. And accidents are more prevalent with inclement weather. They can close off entire sections of highways, which can postpone a game because a team gets there late. And should athletes be able to opt out of these road games if there's inclement weather? They are allowed to opt out of entire seasons due to the coronavirus. So is this a viable solution? And there have been many athletic program tragedies in history due to inclement weather. In 2008, freezing rain caused a tragic accident with Bathurst High School where 17 members of the women's basketball team were killed. And, well, you you know the story. So, Chile, your 30 seconds start right now. That's really something that's interesting. I'm glad you brought it up, Jesse, because it's something that we don't honestly talk about a lot. You know, uh, there are people who die in these accidents and who I mean, what are you what is it really at the end of the day that you're doing? It's a game, you know, a game can be moved, but your life, your life can't be moved. So uh, this is, yes, really interesting. Talking about team travel and heavy snow, I think that players should be able to opt out of this game. But more importantly, I think that we should start creating these schedules in which games like this, which have inclement weather, can be moved. So we all love the three-minute drill. And now let's talk about our players of the week. And our player of the week, um, our, our, our high player of the week, without a doubt, is Quincy Garrier. We hinted at this earlier in the episode and double doubles in both games, even games where Syracuse did not play their best. Quincy Garrier shined absolutely wonderful stuff from him. That there's not much more to say because 27 points in a game against Buffalo, where we consider that a bad game. We consider that a game that should not have been that close. And Quincy Garrier puts up 27 points with 11 boards. That's insane. And again, Northeastern 
a relatively low-scoring game for a college basketball game, 62-56. to Garrier still scores 18 points. That's more than a fourth of, of the team. That's And then 16 rebounds on any night is just phenomenal. So, without a doubt, player of the week, high is Quincy Garrier. Well-deserved for Quincy. And our low is the Syracuse men's basketball three-point shooting. Now, it's been really, really abysmal. Uh, if you're talking about the game against Northeastern, they shot two for 18. That is 11.1% shooting. And it didn't get much better in the second game. They were three for 19. Three for 19. Quincy Garrier. It's been the Quincy Garrier show. He was two for five <laughs> from three. Alan Griffin had one three. The rest of the team did not have anything. Joe Girard was 0 for 3. Buddy Beheim was 0 for 5 from beyond the yard. And they shot 15.8%. Really abysmal shooting from the yard for this Orange men's basketball team. It's something that they definitely have to improve on going forward. But for now, they are our low of the week. And now we have our final word. And my final word for this week is streaky. And that describes three-point shooting, mostly, including players like Joe Girard, who I believe has been very streaky this year so far. And the definition of that is variable in quality, not predictable or reliable. It's an adjective. And that has really been the story. So I think you can single out Joe Girard. But based on these past couple of games, I'm not even sure that you could just necessarily talk about him. This team in general has had some problems putting the ball in hoop from beyond the arc. And it's something that if you want to be a team who even gets to March Madness, you know, has to be consistent on these threes. And I'm not saying make every one, you know, just like even like shooting, even like shooting 40, 45 percent from three is not bad. But it needs to happen. Well, there you have it. And, well, that should do it for the fourth episode of the QSism podcast. And remember to drop a follow at QSism on Twitter and Instagram. Other than that, have a great week and happy holidays as Christmas is just two days away. And though I don't celebrate it, Chile, I wish your family a very happy holiday. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody have a good holiday. Take care.